0: From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Evan Earwicker in studio with Pastor Casey Parnell and Pastor Steve Mickle today. Hey. uh, Hi, Evan. Just so you know, Pastor Casey actually (laughs) is the author of that intro music. I don't know, Casey, if you remember that. Wow, yeah, I actually
1: didn't know that, Casey. It's a long time ago. Well done. I don't, know, I don't even know what song that
0: is. I don't know. Um, Do you remember? I don't remember. Did well, you make it, it up?
1: You haven't memorized the catalog, it was catalog the, uh, of my songs?
0: It was on one of our West Worship albums. and We just dredged uh, the dun, archives dun, and we dun, need
1: dun, musical dun, clips.
2: Dun, 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 dun.
1: Yeah, I don't remember. It was free. That's why. Casey, yeah. no, budget, no, budget
2: no offense budgeted. to you, Casey, but where's Ben? Yeah. What happened, to, the, what happened I, to Ben?
0: I got a text and said, oh no, the podcast is happening right now.
1: I'm not offended. I mean, I can feel the the gap in the space right now that ben <laughs> fills
2: he's I mean, just he's got both such a,
1: spiritually a, a, and physically yeah
2: he's got a bit he he yeah he carries a lot of space are we commenting on his weight right now
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i'm sitting in this chair and he's it feels like here. i'm just it's cape it's not caving in it's coming up it's molded to his it's molded body. up molded to him
0: yeah
1: going so. to a dark place you guys yeah i was thinking when you bring me on you got to be ready for this kind of stuff <laughs> It's
0: so, awesome. So our regular listeners will know, last last episode we had uh, one of our uh, critics of the show, uh, who is also one of our long-listening fans of the show as well, Randall Knight, came on. Oh, awesome. And, uh, and we kind of wanted to, to invite in outside voices that maybe don't always agree with us, because sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, Steve, but we kind of sit here on this podcast and be like, man, we're awesome. No, you're better. No, you're awesome. Yeah, no, we do. And it can, you know, it gets a little much. So we brought on a uh, kind of some critique onto the show, which was an interesting conversation. But then we got a response back from uh, Stephanie, one of our listeners, who said, please don't change the no BS way you have of telling it like it is as only people who have the perspective of growing up in the oddly themed VBS and overplayed vineyard music can do so. Opinions on both sides of this, I guess.
2: And I am a Sunday school boy through and through. Oh, and maybe,
0: I think that was Randall's point was we all are. But there's you know there's a place for that I think. So yeah, we, we can, will we will continue to have hopefully discussions on on both sides of what we say and how we think, and we always want to be challenged. So. If you have um, comments at all, ever, about the show, we want to continue to encourage you. Email us at hello at behindthemessage.com, like Stephanie did, and we would love to hear from you and discuss it on the show. So, Pastor Steve, you started a new message series this past week on subversive savior. Explain what you mean by Jesus as a subversive savior. Yeah, he
2: came to... you know, break us out of a system of religion and thinking, and of, of a way of thinking about God, about religion, and because we because he came into a, a society that was fully entrenched in a Jewish religious tradition, and um and he came, I think, in many ways to correct um, some misinterpretation that was happening, and so he was subversive. It actually is the reason he got killed. Um, it was they they finally had enough. Uh, of his rhetoric and um, trying to undermine the religious institution of his day. And they, they got the Roman empire to kill him. So that, so he was subversive. And I, and I wonder if, if I'm locked up in some of my own religious traditions and need, and need him to be subversive in my yeah.
1: life. Yeah. I thought the same thing listening, you know, I, and we actually, um, I know we talk about this a lot, but we had Ben Fleming speak the same message. Um, who's, I'm sitting in his seat, <laughs> yeah. so I feel I'm feel i speaking for him <laughs> and how the message went for him. But he spoke the same message at the 530 service. And um, yeah, I'm really challenged by this thought right now, Steve. Even in our speaking team meeting today at 11, we, we talked about like what, what are those institutions in me? Inside, every person has institutions in their own heart that they've set up. Um, if they've been in church for a long time, even if they haven't you know it's like there's training and then there's untraining yeah that has to happen yeah like
2: jesus i mean you've heard it you've heard this said but jesus comes and he says but i'm telling you what yeah. what i really want um and i wonder of what are the things that we've heard it said uh-huh this is wrong, that's bad, this is right, live like this. That is actually traditions of men rather than the actual word of God. And uh, and so this series is trying to unpack some of that. Mm.
0: And Bo has talked about this in messages in the past of how much of how we do church is less Jesus and more Constantine and how the church has been formed centuries after Jesus ascended. Into much of what we see today, how we sit, how we, you know, yeah. liturgical practices that we all have, at least strains of, still present in when we gather. I think that probably extends, like you're saying, more than just how we do church, but how we think about God, how we think about our own faith and religion and how we behave.
2: Yeah. And so we, and I'm, and I'm, not, this series is not trying to blow up what church is today and it, by any stretch, but it is challenging. Just the way we've always done it, the way we've always thought about um, God, about church and allowing the Holy Spirit to start to speak new things to us and, you know, dust it off dust off our faith and like why do I believe why do I follow Jesus what's What's really behind all of this and rather than well it's just because of what I've done like Randall you know, like Randall said I mean I'm a Sunday school boy right and so so if I had allowed myself I could have just gone you know hook, line, and sinker I could have said the same rhetoric that my um, mm-hmm. my parents did and their parents did and their parents' parents did and I could just keep going on that line of thinking as the good Sunday school boy that I was but I realized that that's you miss the heart of the gospel Hmm. when you do that
1: and yeah and is there there's no digestion to it then like if you're just regurgitating what's happening or what's already happened then you don't feel it for yourself you don't process it for yourself you don't throw the questions up against the wall and question it yourself and um i after looking at this i mean you guys challenged me this weekend with your questions at the end i know we'll talk about that
2: people think people actually think that religion and i i, I don't think they're wrong believe that religion is a brainwashing mechanism yeah. where you it just it, you take kids when they're young stick them into a classroom and start telling them you know and you know recite the scriptures and memorize the scriptures and all this and i'm not saying memorizing scriptures wrong i'm just saying that, that we we if we don't help young people question old truths so that they come to their own conclusions. And by the way, I actually think that they'll be more similar to the old truths than not, but still having that place where they can question it and go, and do I really believe this um, or or not? You know, and because we can just take the law and go like this, you know, it's adultery is wrong. Okay, great. But I'm going (laughs) to look at pornography all I want.
0: Because the Bible doesn't say
2: anything about looking at pornography specifically, you know? It's a loophole. It's a loophole, right? And so I feel justified because everybody else is doing that and it's acceptable in our society, by the way. If people, if listeners don't think that it is, it's totally fine. Um, And yet there's something in me that says, no, that's wrong. I'm not committing adultery. Yeah, I'm not committing adultery, but I know that it's not making my heart pure and holy before God.
0: Um, so when we talk about Jesus subverting the culture that he, he steps into, um, what is it that he is subverting? Cause in the news, I think this past week I saw this video, maybe you saw in, in, uh, was it Oakland, California? Um, a jogger is running past a homeless encampment, uh, near a lake and he gets angry and just starts taking all this homeless man's belongings, earthly belongings. And he starts ripping them up and throwing them into the lake throwing in the leg, just angry, just angry. And I'm thinking about this, how Jesus shows up. And it's like the opposite of that, right? Uh, a person of power, praying on those that have nothing, have none, and, and tearing up the weak. And here's Jesus, he comes in as the weak, you know, he's, he's born not into a glamorous situation, and he's constantly subverting and tearing down the people in power, both religious and civic. So Jesus wants to come in and not mess up the, the weak, small powerless things in our lives, but the ones that really have a grip either culturally or personally on our lives.
2: Convicting to me and humbling because here I am a religious leader, you know, Jesus had a lot of hard things to say to religious leaders. And so I'm thinking, am I in that camp? I mean, and I'll be honest, the first thing I thought when you told me that story about the guy, you know, that tore up the home, I mean, he's probably a Christian, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that sounds bad. It sounds like one of us. It sounds like one of us because, uh, you know, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, how far have we strayed from the gospel um, because of our tradition, because of our political beliefs, because of our, you know, upbringing, you know, just fill it in, fill in the gap. I just feel like Jesus wants to come and break that stuff and get us back to the simple truth of love.
1: Yeah. The word disruption has been in my kind of in my spirit my thoughts lately is just god wants to disrupt the things that am i saying that correctly i feel like i'm saying it yeah, wrong but uh, yeah. no he wants to this is the word that's been in my mind i can't <laughs> even say it. it's so important i don't know you're <laughs> not saying it right yeah it seems like but no but god wants to interrupt me he wants to um like kind of cause me to move into a new territory new thought of things and i exactly what you're saying, Steve. I mean, when you look at the Pharisees in scripture that Jesus is always adamant against or speaking against, you can't help but think about yourself sitting in the chair. Like we're in a church right now, recording this podcast, leading people spiritually, and you can't help but go, gosh, am I the enemy? I hope, like, I really hope that's not the case. Yeah. And, and, and I, if there is anything in me that has that dogma or that mindset, God, oh, please convict me. Please disrupt my life and move those things out of me so that I'm on the side of Jesus.
2: Yeah, and I realize I align myself with the Pharisees in my quick, quickness to judge hmm. other people's behavior and the things that they do. Um, and that's everybody, I mean, I I, I remember Suzanne used to watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, and I don't know if you guys have ever watched those shows, but- um,
0: I wouldn't admit it if I had.
2: I am not a fan. Let's just say that. (laughs) And I remember judging Suzanne for the crud she watches. Now, I can watch a lot of really bad stuff (laughs) that's really violent and think I'm totally justified.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but Vikings, yeah. you know the show Vikings, that's fine. It's yeah. just people right. killing
2: people. So, so here I am and I realize, "Oh my gosh, I'm actually more like the Pharisees in that way than I than I want to admit that I am quick to judge those who do things that I don't want to do or I don't think are good or I don't think are wise or I don't think is good for them or whatever." And here I am sitting as judge jury. An executioner on those on those people, and I've, I feel convicted about that. Hmm.
0: And isn't that human nature? We want to be but throw the book at everybody else, but show leniency to our own selves, our own behaviors, our own attitudes. And maybe society at large is fed up with Christians doing that. You know, and we we call it hypocrisy or whatever. I yeah. think that kind of loses some in translation, but it, it is that. It's our tendency
2: to judge harshly outside of our own club. Well, and you're absolutely right, Evan. And let me interrupt you, but I, I don't think it's a Christian issue. Hmm. I'm kind of done bashing on the Christian movement as the only hypo- hi- hypocrites in our culture. Oh my gosh, just turn on the news. Right. And you will see hypocrisy everywhere. Just look, you know, look into human. our school systems and our education systems. And it's a yeah, it's a human, human condition. condition. And we and, and that's why I think the way of Jesus now is more com- can be more compelling to all the world than ever before is because, um, we, I can see how shared experience of hypocrisy we're, we're in as a society.
1: Can I lean into that, the judgment thing just a little bit more, Evan? Yeah. Um, with Steve, what, is there a place at all in Christian circles in the way of Jesus for judgment?
2: Yeah, there is. And it's in close proximity to, um, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who are doing life together and who are walking um, together to becoming more like Jesus. We, um, I think we're given permission um, by Christ to um, challenge each other, to um, call each other out, um, judging, I don't know. Maybe that's not the right word for this. What I'm yeah. talking about, but this idea that um, we can challenge each other. I don't think we're just like, hey, do whatever you want to do and sleep. No with, judgment. Sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. Now, if I'm if I'm in a covenant and a committed relationship with um, anybody in the church, I'm gonna like. No, wait. I'm not. If I know something in somebody's life that um, maybe it's a blind spot or maybe they're just avoiding it or ignoring it, I'm not going to stay silent. I think I have a mandate, not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a follower of Jesus to have hard conversations with other Christians. um, If we're in, but, but what we do, Casey, is we take that idea and we extrapolate it to everybody in society. So we, we become judge, the judge of everyone else and try to, you know, control behavior and, you know, tell everybody they're bad. And, and I don't think that's what God's heart is.
0: Because he designed, he set up the church and discipleship within the church specifically to be self-correcting, right? I mean, he, he gives authority within these discipleship relationships and in community to correct. Otherwise, where would we go? It would be so corrupt if, if there was no checks yeah. or me being able to go to Casey and say, hey, you can't keep going this way.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't spend all of your creative arts budget on cotton candy machines. (laughs) It's just, it doesn't seem like the right thing to do. But that
2: sounds amazing. I say,
1: why are you judging me for my sweet treats? And
2: it's interesting, Paul... (laughs) I don't want to move too quickly from this whole idea. This <laughs> is a great that idea. sounds amazing. Just yeah. ignore it, <laughs> Steve. Continue. Ben, where's Ben? Oh my gosh. But I, I, you know, when you read the New Testament and you read Paul's writing, so many of his letters to churches were corrective oriented. And what we've done is we've taken those letters and we've, we've said that those were written for everyone instead of just the church. And we, you know, and so when he's talking about don't sleep with your, with, um, don't sleep around, right? Um sexual immorality, we we just decide that this is a message for the entire world instead of his church, which is what it was written for. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, you know, it, behavior outside the church should be hey, do whatever you want, but um we have to be careful to not judge the world based on principles and precepts of that were really supposed to be within the walls of relationship inside the church.
0: So, using that logic, speak to let's say abstinence in schools, should it be taught or should it not be taught in public schools?
1: Yeah. We can get back to my analogy if you want,
0: (laughs) But think about, I mean, if the church, if the church has these principles at play and we should only really be applying those inside the church, then should we be all for birth control outside the church? Because we don't, we can't hold people that aren't followers of Christ to that standard.
2: Right? Yeah. Okay, so so any kind of legislation, whether it's in schools or in government, for me, this is my personal opinion, the reason why we have to try to legislate things is because we have failed as parents and to teach our kids morality. So we expect now the schools to do it, and we expect government to do it we have dropped the ball. We've dropped the ball. Mm. As, and I don't even think the church has dropped the ball. I think I dropped the ball to help my son know why abstinence is an important value for him in life. Not because of a religion, but because of his soul. You know? And so we've dropped that ball. And so now we, we want to legislate it and we want to make rules about it and we want to try to control people's behavior when in actuality, it doesn't matter what we do at, those, at that level, people are still going to do what they want to do and find a way, even if we legislate it. That's why I think so much of the values of Jesus had to be um, come through the family unit, through the, the, the ecclesia, the gathering of the, of the saints of God. That's where this stuff should be talking about. We should be talking about abstinence at home and in our churches you know not we don't maybe not in the schools but you know I don't know Some that's not very popular I think a
1: great filter that I've thought about even as you you're saying these things is to know your audience you know as a church person as a A leader speaking to other leaders, or if you go out into the schools, like, know your audience. I think Jesus was brilliant at that. You know, He's on the mountain, and he's telling a lot of stories because he's like, this is going to resonate, and people are going to draw what they can from these stories, and it's also going to be memorable. And then he goes to the Pharisees, harsher words, but he knows his audience. He goes to to his disciples, his inner circle, and he explains things more thoroughly. I mean... I think that has a little bit to do with it. We have a tendency with our world today to just push information out generally right. when we could be more mindful and thoughtful. And of you look how at the, yeah, it. and
2: you look at the early church fathers and what they spoke about outside of the church was Jesus and Him crucified and mm-hmm. resurrected. Right. They didn't talk about morality. They didn't go there. I mean, when yeah. Paul spoke in front of King Agrippa, it wasn't hey, you're, you need to change this and that about your moral behavior. He wanted to make sure that he knew who Jesus was. And we 've lost Jesus in our moral we are the, like the moral police in the church, and I think Jesus yeah. is trying to break that. I think he 's trying to subvert that in me and maybe in our church yeah. and maybe in in this religion called Christianity to me
0: that shines a light on the need for separate um important gifts at play in our community uh, because if if you know you 're a preacher or you 're a pastor. And so you have a job to do to equip and to train and to raise up and disciple within the church. But there needs to be people. I think of like Nick Foychich who was at the convention last week, guys who are pretty poor at teaching specifically, but world-class at evangelism, world-class at preaching Jesus and him crucified. And that's about it. And we need both, right? Absolutely. You or I, we're not going to be gifted and called in the exact same level
2: to both things, are we? No, and I think we need to help the church, the people who are called the church, uh, live their purpose, their mission out in, in incredible ways uh, in the world. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, there'll be some that are called to go into the schools like Nick is, and there'll be some that are called to, to go into politics and, and make a difference and make some changes at that level. And I, and I, and I would cheer them on. I would say, yeah, let's go. I just don't know if, as a movement, Christianity should be all about um, changing moral behavior through legislation mm-hmm. or through the schools. Um, I think we, I think we lose our messaging um, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, when we when we engage um, broadly in those kinds of discussions.
0: A conversation we had, Casey, that has stuck out to me. I mean, it was two weeks ago. Um, you talked about a conversation you had i think we've all had conversations like this where someone came to you and was explaining some of the issues that they had with church and what's kind of ironic when people come to any of us and have those conversations is who is the church if not pastor steve or pastor casey or my, you know who are we talking about when we talk about the big bad church or church people or church leaders if it's not us. And so it's funny to have those conversations when those people come to us and say, I love you guys, but man, I can't deal with the church. And we're like, uh, we work here all the time. Like we make all the decisions around talking, here. What are you talking you're about? You're burned
1: by the church. I mean, that's kind of it's me you're talking about, you know?
0: Um, so I'm really sorry. And I'll buy you a donut. Um, but they're not talking about you, right? Yeah, right. So there's a distinction. And what is that distinction?
1: Yeah. I, I, in a in a way, I can get where they're coming from. I have a lot of compassion for this issue because, you know, if you look at Jesus, I mean, he's like, hey, leave, <laughs> leave your homes to follow me. Like, you know, just carry what's on your back. Like, let's go across the countryside and preach and sleep wherever they slept. And, you know, so there's this kind of like into the wild thing that I think some people are... I mean, I think everyone's kind of thirsty for this raw, like authentic thing. But what I told this person is there's a both and I I think there's this into the wild, uh, I just raw Christianity that I think is the heart of it, that people are aiming at. I just want to be, I want to be spiritual. I love Jesus. I've just the box. I don't quite fit into the box. And I think that's okay. But there's also people that need the structure of of the church, and I can just say, even on this podcast, I know the heart. I currently at um, sit at one of the, the highest levels of West Side Church, and I know the heart of these people, and I weep with them about our life issues and about our church and the people in our church and the the things that are happening and the people that lost their job or the that just were diagnosed with something terrible, and we feel these things, and we're desperately trying to make a difference. So I know. From from the street to the whatever office space or the upper room that we're recording in right now, I know the heart of it, and I think there's just a both and thing
2: happening, um, and getting people to not to think of church differently. You know that it's not a service that we provide for in, you. You are the service. Everyone that's listening to this podcast can is a service. To provide help and hope to others—that's the church. Mm. And and whenever we think of the church as a, a small group of people with um, with robes and capes on, <laughs> you know, or collars or whatever, we've lost it. We've lost it because they will disappoint you. I will disappoint them. I will say things that um, will offend and, you know, whatever. And, and so we've got to see ourselves differently. We've got to see the church differently. We've got to think differently about it. And, like, and the people that I think Casey's talking about, they desperately want real they want real life they want to be they want to be in the trenches they don't they don't want to sugarcoat stuff they don't want to they want to wrestle with deeper truths they don't they don't want to just take what their what their what their grandpa told them about Jesus and about the Bible and about the old testament they want to, they want to, they want to know it for themselves they want to dig into it and and as long as the church just keeps on cookie cuttering and just saying here's here's the box, and let's all believe the same, let's all think the same about all these complex issues, the more we're gonna lose our voice and influence in our culture.
1: Yeah, and an important thing I think I should say on this is whatever side you're on, you're feeling, whether you feel like you're in a big box church or a small box church, or you're going into the wild with your faith, um, be soft to the other side. Like don't grow hard hearted to, cause it's like there's Jesus on both sides of it is what I can say. And if you're finding yourself on either side, just do your best to root for the other side because I think we can learn from where people are at. And there's people, as we're talking about people and compassion and forgiveness and all those Jesus virtues, they can be extended. So just don't don't give up.
2: Yeah, be and be, I love what you said about being soft, Casey. I think that just having a heart for other people, regardless of where they, they land politically, regardless of where they land religiously, regardless of whether they uh, take a more progressive view of the Bible or a more conservative view of the Bible, um, whether they vote Republican or whether they vote Democratic or whether they vote Dem- Democrat or whether they don't vote. I mean, just have a soft heart towards people, you know, they're worth it. Yeah. Yeah. See them as the, as people made in the image of God. And, and here, here we say this, um, but then like, I, let's go back and say, you know, but I'm pretty quick to judge people who don't, who don't line up to what I think is right. And so we just, I, it's just a constant God. Um, look at my heart, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me into your way.
0: And if through these messages, the church and all of us can feel that challenge because if we can't feel a challenge of Christ when we read the words of Christ, we're probably reading it wrong or absorbing it wrong. That that should be the heart is anyway in me. Oh God, you know, refine me, throw me in the furnace one more time. I mean that that should be the response to the teachings of Jesus because that's what what all those around him were feeling and that that stirring and that disruption, that angst that was arising up out of Jesus' words, we should be feeling that today. They yeah. shouldn't be crystallized and, yeah. you know, gilded up on a wall somewhere, right? And the
2: temptation is to say what people want to hear, to, to you know, not give, not give, not challenge people and to please people, to try to make them feel good about their lives when they come to a church service. And I, and I had a guy come to me about three years ago and it changed the way I think about how I teach. He came to me and he said, Steve, I was about to leave the church. And uh, today you spoke right to me and told me that I needed a change, and the Holy Spirit used you to tell me that I needed a change, and so I'm sticking around. <laughs> I'm like, what? What?
1: Cool.
2: <laughs> Usually people that are challenged like they they jet, um, but here it was a guy that really was that Challenge hungry. This day. Yeah, and I want, I, and it changed the way I think about how we teach and what we teach and. And it's okay to challenge people. It's okay to make people feel uncomfortable. Jesus did it all the time. And by the way, it wasn't just the Pharisees. It was his own followers. It was people that loved him. They made him uncomfortable. You know, They were offended by some of the things he said. Some of them <laughs> decided to check out and say, I'm not going to follow you anymore because you keep talking about eating you and your flesh and you're drinking your blood. and I'm, It's just too much for me. But you know what happened? At Pentecost, they all came back. I, I guarantee you all of those people came back to Jesus at Pentecost when they realized he was the resurrected one, mm. not just a good teacher.
0: Yeah. And uh, the, the, the scenarios where we really like people that don't challenge us, that only lasts for a little while. I mean, you can have people fan on you and tell you how awesome you are and it feels great for a minute and then it's annoying, right? <laughs> Get me in a real relationship where I have to change, I have to grow, I have to, so there has to be movement, you know? See, like, interested.
1: Casey and Evan have been doing this to me for years, <laughs> so can you just disrupt my life disrupt a little bit? Disrupt
2: my life. Sit of a f- fan on me. a the fan fan boy. On I'm actually, guys. this weekend, Father's Day, um, I'm going to talk about whether you're a fan or a follower. There's a great book by Kyle I- Idleman called Not a Fan, and um drawn from a little bit of that and, yeah, and a huge part of scripture to talk about, you know, which are you? Yeah. Because I know I've been a fan, and uh, yeah. he's calling us to be followers. Yeah.
0: A good challenge for all of us. And uh, if you want, you can follow along with what we teach here at westsidechurch.org or the podcast at behindthemessage.com. We'll be back next week as we hear another message from Pastor Steve.